to squeeze the booty or to not squeeze the booty? That is the question. We don't got time for back problems. 45 burpees with a bunch of people in a parking lot for maximal gains with a Z, bro. Makes me want to bash my head against the wall. Fall into the no booty squeeze category. Oh yes, it was actually named that. If you're not familiar with this new trending buzzword, could be an indirect sign of athleticism. That is something to celebrate. Hello and welcome back to the Fun Size Podcast, where we talk about all things petite. If you're new here, my name is Kier, short for Kirsten, like Kirsten Dunst, except spelled a little bit differently. And I am more than just a nutrition and fitness coach for women under 5'3". I realize that I tend to sell myself short when I just stop there, but the truth is I wear so many freaking hats. I coach and I manage a fitness app subscription, I curate a collection of petite clothing for the online fun size boutique, and I plan, record, and edit all of these podcasts by myself, all so that petite women can feel seen, heard, and empowered. So I guess what I really should be saying is, hi, I'm Kirsten, and I help women under 5'3 feel like they can take over the world with food, fitness, fashion, and so much more. Basically, I'm running a freaking empire. No big deal, right? So that's enough about me. Right now, I want to talk about three things that will help you. And ironically, none of these things have anything to do with being petite, actually. But they do have to do with being human, which all petites are. So there's that. So the first thing I want to have a little chit chat about is something that one of my VIP clients asked me about. So shout out to Anna for inspiring this episode. She wanted to know which exercises she should be squeezing her glutes on and why, which I think is just such a fantastic question because quite frankly, even I was being fed the wrong information for so long. So I'm excited to debunk a few things today. The second thing I want to talk about is hip dips what they are, why you have them, what they mean, and what to do about them. And last but not least, I want to introduce you to the five second rule. And no, I'm not talking about eating your food off the floor if you grab it within five seconds. I guess you're just going to have to listen all the way through to know what I'm talking about. So without any further ado, let's just dive on in already. To squeeze the booty or to not squeeze the booty? That is the question. Okay, so there are certain exercises where squeezing the glutes at the top of a movement is greatly beneficial. Like, it would actually be cheating if you didn't squeeze your glutes at the top because you wouldn't be doing the full rep. And then there are other movements and exercises where it's just not necessary to squeeze your glutes and could even be potentially dangerous in some cases. Spoiler alert, It has nothing to do with gravity or certain joints being bent. It has to do with something else. But before I talk about that, I think it might be helpful to explain that in terms of exercise mechanics, your glutes are opposite your hips. So I think we tend to think that our hips are how wide our pelvis is, but in the exercise world, your hips are in front and your glutes are behind. And this is really important to understand because when you're bending and flexing at the hip, 
you're conversely lengthening or stretching the glutes. So on the flip side of that, when extending and lengthening your hips, you're shortening or flexing the glutes. When one extends, the other shortens. You can't have both extended at the same time and you can't have both shortened at the same time. And I need to point this out because we all know what it means to flex your bicep, right? You curl it up and shorten that muscle to see it pop. For the glutes, it's not as easy to understand what flexed means, but it's easier to imagine the muscle being shortened and stretched, right? So hopefully I didn't lose you yet, and I promise this will make a lot more sense in a little bit, so bear with me here. Here's the answer to Anna's question. You should be squeezing your glutes on exercises where the glutes are under the most tension when they are shortened or flexed. On the flip side, any sort of movement where the glutes are under the most tension when lengthened or stretched, you do not need to squeeze the glutes. So without getting too far into the sciencey bits and terms and boring you to absolute death, basically we can assume that your glutes are under the most tension during the hardest part of the movement. I'll give you an example. Where is the hardest part of a squat? At the bottom, when you have to push yourself back up to starting standing position. At the bottom, the hardest part, under the most tension, or when your glutes are under the most tension, your glutes are lengthened and stretched, right? Now, conversely, at the top of the squat, your glutes are not under the most tension, which means that they actually fall into the no booty squeeze category. Squeezing at the top of a squat is actually kind of pointless because your butt isn't really loaded at the top of the exercise. It's loaded at the bottom of it when you're down low in that squat. So standing up, that's the starting position. It's also where you get to pause, you get to rest, you get to take a breather before going into the next rep. There's no tension, so there's no need to squeeze. Now, if you are guilty of squeezing the booty at the top of a squat, please don't be embarrassed or ashamed or anything like that. I think we have all done it. I think we've all been fed the wrong information. But what I want you to know is that the squeeze itself isn't bad or wrong. The main problem with squeezing at the top of a rep is that it can lead to overextension of the spine. That's the not so good part. A squat should finish with your ribs stacked over your hips. If you focus too much on squeezing your glutes at the top, it can create a pelvic tuck that pushes your hips too far forward. And that is what can lead to pain or injury as you're overloading the spine and putting pressure on your lower back. So again, the squeeze on a squat is not the problem. So if you've done it before and you've used maybe body weight or lighter weights, you might not have felt that pressure on your low back. But trust me, when you get to the point where you're squatting, I don't know, your body weight, that low back pain will creep up if you're pushing your hips too far forward, aka squeezing the glutes at the top of the movement. Now I don't mean to scare you, but just imagine this. Let's say you were squatting 150 pounds, you have that weight set on your back, you go down into your squat, you pop back up, and as you pop up and you're standing up, you push your hips forward at the top, and you lose your balance, and you fall. It sounds terrifying, right? 
So let's try to avoid that by not squeezing the glutes at the top of a squat, okay? Before we get into exercises that you should be squeezing your glutes on, let's talk about another exercise where it's common to see people doing the butt squeeze, but it's not actually beneficial. Romanian deadlifts, also known as RDLs. And while we're here, we'll throw good mornings in there too, since they're basically the same movement, the only difference is where the weight is anchored. So with RDLs and good mornings, where's the hardest part of the rep? Just like the squat, the glutes will take most of the load at the bottom when the glutes and hams are almost fully stretched and lengthened. That means that at the top of the movement, there is less tension on the glutes, which means you don't need to do the booty squeeze. Same thing as in the squat, you want to finish with your ribs stacked over your hips to prevent that low back pain. You don't want to be pushing your pelvis out while simultaneously leaning back because that's going to mess with your spine and all that stuff. And we don't want any injuries. We don't got time for back problems. So moving on to when you should squeeze the booty, let's start with glute bridges and hip thrusts since I think that is the easiest place to understand. So with both of these exercises, our glutes are under the most tension at the top of the movement when our hips are extended and our glutes are shortened. Because remember, when one is lengthened, the other is shortened. And when our glutes are shortened at the hardest part, That's the time under most tension, and that is when we want to squeeze the glutes. By squeezing the glutes here at the top, when they're shortened, you're essentially finishing out the rep and increasing the time under tension for maximal gains with a Z, bro. (laughs) Interestingly enough, not squeezing the glutes at the top of a hip thrust could lead to back pain and injury. So, opposite of the squat, squeezing glutes at the top is beneficial to increase tension, and it will also protect the hips and the spine. Interesting how that happens, isn't it? So again, this goes for any movement where the hips are lengthened and the glutes are shortened when they are under the most tension, like glute kickbacks, and there are many variations like donkey kicks. Also, 45-degree glute raises on the GHD or standard hyperextension board. Squeezing those glutes when they're in their shortened state will increase time under tension and protect your low back. So just to recap, you should squeeze the glutes at the top of bridges, hip thrusts, kickbacks, and 45 degree glute raises. And you should not squeeze the glutes at the top of squats, RDLs, and good mornings. Now I'm sure you're wondering, what about regular deadlifts? Because if you think about it, the glutes are under the most tension at the top, but they aren't necessarily fully shortened either. And if it's pointless to squeeze the glutes in the upright position of a squat, unless you want back pain, then what makes it okay in a deadlift? Well, here's the thing. While it's beneficial to squeeze your glutes at the top of a deadlift, for sure, since that's where the glute muscles will be loaded, you still don't want to be pushing your hips too far forward or overextending the spine. So you should not exaggerate the booty squeeze on deadlifts. This will take practice to find your sweet spot. So if you haven't found it yet, it's okay. Keep trying, keep practicing, and keep learning. Both deadlifts and squats, while they seem simple, they actually require so much articulation and skill 
And part of it is practice and part of it is just understanding the mechanics and what it should look like and understanding that everybody has a different body. So the length of your femur might cause you to have a different squat than somebody else. There's just so much to it and there's so much to learn about it. And even 10 years in of practicing and coaching even, I'm still learning new things about fitness and my body and how I should be moving all the freaking time. So yeah, just keep swimming. Are you tired of scrolling the gram for your next workout? Or maybe you just wish you had an ongoing, easy to follow, short girl friendly workout program that you can actually rely on. If that's where you're finding yourself today, then you would really enjoy the Fun Size Fitness app. Inside the app, you'll find a new workout program every month where each exercise is accompanied by a video demonstration performed by a petite. You'll also be able to easily log the weights and the reps that you do so that you can keep making progress week to week. And you'll be able to message me directly at any time if you need help. Here's what three different petite ladies have to say about this app. First one is, I love that the app keeps me consistent with a plan versus winging it whenever I go to the gym. The second, it's a game changer to have a new plan in place every month. And last but not least, I love that it allows me to use new equipment and feel more comfortable about doing new exercises. You can learn more about the FunSize Fitness app and how to download it at funsize.life app. Now, moving on to topic number two, hip dips. If you're not familiar with this new trending buzzword, hip dips are those inward curves between your hips and just above your thighs, and it's the latest body part that the internet wants us to feel bad about for some reason. But hip dips are absolutely 100% totally normal and natural, and you do not need to get rid of them, contrary to whatever the headlines are saying. And they do not signify if someone is healthy, unhealthy, overweight, or underweight, because guess what? (laughs) Hip dips actually have more to do with your bone structure and where your hormones decide you store body fat, both of which you cannot change. So the fact that people are marketing workouts and exercises to quote fix this makes me want to bash my head against the wall. It's manipulative really because they're planting a seed in your head and encouraging you to think badly of your normal natural body. And then they're capitalizing on those insecurities that they planted. And it gets even worse because whatever it is that they're selling you isn't actually helping you achieve anything at all because you cannot change your bone structure or your body fat storage. It's as simple as that. And it's sick. Okay. Like here's the thing. I'm no expert on human anatomy. So I did some research for this podcast and I found this, how visible your hip dips are will depend on, uh, five things. The width of your pelvis, the size of the top of your femur, the distance between your ilium hip socket and femur, the way your hormones decide you store body fat, and lastly, your muscle mass. Only one of those things you can actually change. But the thing is, there isn't even a muscle there that you could build up that would, bunny ears, fill the gaps. Here's the crazy thing. Building muscle mass in your glutes and gaining some body fat might help 
to slightly reduce the appearance of hip dips. But it's highly unlikely that any of that will completely get rid of them. Want to know another fun fact? Contrary to popular belief, hip dips are commonly linked to lower body fat stores in these areas. So if you're at a relatively normal to low body fat and you've been doing your glute squeezes on your hip thrusts and wondering why you're noticing your hip dips more, it's not just that you've been hyper-focused on them thanks to social media, but it's because you're growing your glutes, especially your glute medius. And if that's the case, you're going to see an increased appearance from the front. That is a good thing, my friends. That is nothing to be ashamed about. And with all of that being said about having low body fat and lean muscle mass, hip dips could be an indirect sign of athleticism. That is something to celebrate. The crazy thing is, 10 years ago when I was idolizing my favorite fitness models and pinning pictures in my hard bodies Pinterest board, oh yes, it was actually named that, all of those women strong women that I just like, man, wanted to be them. All of them had hip dips, except I didn't know that they were even called that, nor did I focus on them. Like I wasn't actively being like, oh, I want that curve there. Like it was just like a thing where you just, you're seeing their whole body and you're like, that is just something to be proud of. Like that is like a work of art, right? And you're not criticizing anything about them. But anyway, I remember being jealous of my boyfriend at the time, who was a former collegiate baseball player who had that indentation on the side of his glute because he was so athletic. And I was jealous, like really, really jealous. And I remember the first time that I realized that I was getting that look, that little indent. Again, I didn't know that they were called hip dips, but I was standing in the shower I was looking down at the side of my glute and I could see that small indentation and I was just ecstatic. So that's why when all of this hip dip bullshit started coming out, I was like, wait, what? I mean, have I ever fantasized over having wider and rounder hips? Of course. I think we all envied Kim Kardashian at some point or another, but I'm also really damn proud of my hip dips because it means I put the work in to develop a really really strong, powerful booty behind me. I guess what I'm getting at is that 10 years ago, I idolized hip dips. And now, social media is trying to make me feel bad about them and failing miserably, by the way. But that just goes to show how much of a trend this is. Like, that whole phase we had about obsessing over thigh gaps. And I'm pretty sure we're over that now. So this whole thing is really just a bad trend that some people are using to market their programs, and that's extremely unfortunate. Anyone who's familiar with business and marketing knows that a brilliant strategy is to dive deep into a prospect's insecurities and fears, but creating an insecurity to later capitalize on is just grimy and manipulative. Like, it's gross. All of this to say, hip dips are normal. Hip dips are natural and hip dips are beautiful. I'm just going to leave it there. Walk away. Have you checked out the fun size store yet? 
We've got a little bit of everything from tank tops to jeans to leggings and matching sports bras to dresses and even earrings. All designed specifically for powerfully petite women just like you. Just head on over to shopfunsize.com to check it all out. And as a special thank you for listening, use coupon code PODCAST for 10% off your first order. All right, and lastly, the third thing. I want to read you a little excerpt, 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 I don't even know how to say that word, out of a book that I'm currently reading. It's called The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins. And no, it's not about eating your food off the floor, okay? It's about using a countdown, five, four, three, two, one, to change your life. And it sounds pretty cheesy and pretty simple, but the book and its concept has some real power. And anyway, I just want to read you a little bit from chapter nine. Here goes. Thinking about being healthier won't make you healthier. Even meditation, which is a mental exercise, still requires you to do it. There is no getting around this. You must take action. The irony is that no other area of our lives is there more information, support, research, options, or free content than on the subject of health and wellness. You could Google diet, download the top 20 search results, print them out, put them on a dartboard, and follow whatever diet the dart hits. This diet, if you actually follow it, will work. The problem is never the diet. The problem is always your feelings about the diet. Every single diet, exercise program, gym circuit, workout class, physical therapy regime, cross-training routine, meditation program, and yoga flow will improve your health. But here's the catch. You have to do it. Why is getting healthy so hard? You already know the answer. It's your feelings. If you feel deprived of bread, you won't stick to your gluten-free diet. The second you consider how you feel about eating a salad for the next 113 days, you'll convince yourself not to do it. The moment you scan today's CrossFit workout and consider how you feel about doing 45 burpees with a bunch of people in a parking lot, you won't feel like walking out the door and going. Blowing off the gym, hitting the In-N-Out burger drive through and wasting time on Facebook is a hell of a lot easier than hyperventilating in a spin class or cutting out sugar from your diet. If you want to lose weight, follow a diet, and regularly exercise, there's only one thing you must do. Stop thinking about how you feel. Exercise and health comes down to one simple rule. You don't have to feel like it. You just have to do it. So that is the end of the little excerpt. I wanted to share this with you guys because it rings so true on so many levels. I have been coaching for a long time. And what I have found is that for 80% of my clients, once they have their training program, their workouts written out exactly with what they need to do, how many reps and sets, how much cardio to do, how much steps to take a day, they generally get it done. Why? Because they don't necessarily have to think about it. They just have to follow the plan and go. The hard part is always nutrition. Why? Because this part's a little looser. There's more options. There's more distractions. There's more effort required on their part to plan it out. Yes, I give them the tools and the knowledge to plan it out, but ultimately, 
it's up to them to make the decision. I can't force feed them. And trust me, writing exact meal plans isn't the answer either. I've done that before. It's actually a huge waste of my time because they won't follow it because it's not what they feel like. So that's why I teach them to plan out what they feel like. Because let's be honest, nobody feels like eating something someone else told them to eat. They want to eat what they feel like. But also nobody feels like making a meal plan and doing the meal prep. We all want to just eat whatever and not have to think about it because that's what's easy. But as the saying goes, nothing easy is worth doing. Change happens in the uncomfortable. Sometimes you just got to Sometimes you just got to set your feelings aside and do the hard thing. If that hard thing is what's going to get you what you want. The author of the five second rule book, Mel Robbins, is quite a hoot. She's hilarious, but she's also a straight shooter. If you feel like you need the extra push to do the hard thing, I highly encourage you to watch or listen to her 21 minute TED talk called How to Stop Screwing Yourself. I'm linking it in the show notes for you guys. And with that, I am signing out and off today. As always, Thanks so much for listening and I will catch you in the next episode. Bye.